0: This is Stacey Hillier, and you are listening to The Prophetic Collective Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special session today where we have some wonderful guests all the way from the United States of America with us for our Revival Conference 2023. But we didn't want to miss an opportunity to snatch some time with them and learn wisdom, glean from them today. So it is my honor and privilege to introduce to you Pastors Bob and Erica Hazlett, all the way from the USA. Yes. And we are so excited that you it's are with us. To be here
1: too. Thank yeah. you so much.
0: Now, I know there'll be many people who are familiar with your ministry and who you are, but I'd love it if you could tell Everybody, just a little bit about yourselves.
1: Sure. Well, I um, served in pastoral ministry for about 15 years Mm -hmm. and then experienced revival, which is a change, right? It's a drastic change for us. And that led me into helping churches create cultures of change, uh, integrate the supernatural into their culture of their church. And now what I primarily focus on is helping individuals and corporations uh, discover the future that God intends for them. So I mentor business people, entrepreneurs, and I love helping people discover the future God sees for them. So that's so, that's my passion. That's so
0: good. Yeah. And for you, Erica, tell us a bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, so I was a Bethel church girl in Redding, California, <laughs> and I was the young adults pastor. And I was one of the speakers on the Jesus Culture team. So I actually mm-hmm. came here to Australia with them, <laughs> um, went to Melbourne, went to the Gold Coast. And... In the middle of all that, I was getting my master's degree in in social work at UC Berkeley Mm -hmm. and I was working at an emergency department as a social worker and a little girl came into the emergency department who had been sold on the streets of America for sex and I got her story. And the short version, I was just deeply troubled by the fact that an 11-year-old girl was being trafficked, and that led to me starting a nonprofit organization called Unlikely Heroes, and we've now recovered more than 400 children from human trafficking. We had homes in the Philippines, Thailand, Mexico, and the United States, and we went to Nigeria after the Bring Back Our Girls kidnapping, where 276 girls were kidnapped in Nigeria. And Helped those girls for many years, the ones who were able to escape. So it's been a long journey, but I've been able to have the honor to see so many children come into freedom and then become doctors and lawyers and see them have the most transformed lives. So that's been just an incredible journey. And now Bob and I get to do missions work together (laughs) and go and see lives change. So. What a loving powerhouse it. couple. Yeah, My loving goodness. It. Loving it. One of the things I love
0: about revival culture is what comes up out of it in people, what the Lord places in people, the dreams, the desires, and their their ability to just get after things. So you're seeing an issue, you go after it. Yeah. For you, what you're doing, we're seeing that. But in this revival culture, when the Lord sets people's hearts on fire, it's like what seemed insurmountable becomes possible as mm. God gets bigger and our God confidence grows. Yeah. So I know that you have recently written a book, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But one of the things that you speak about so well is thinking like heaven. And so I kind of want to lean into that a little bit today with both of you. So we're going to go after that today, because I think that's going to be so helpful. And I will get you to talk about your books a bit later. Absolutely. But can you talk to us about this concept of thinking like heaven? What do you mean when you use this phrase?
1: Yeah, well, my standard introduction to the topic is, you know, the book's called Think Like Heaven, Change Your Thinking, Change Your World. And that yeah. sounds kind of intuitive, but I actually wanted to title it Think Like Heaven, Don't Stink Like Hell, <laughs> <laughs> which means like the, the way we think is actually what life becomes. Right. Yes. Uh, it's actually from Isaiah 55. That says, as high as the heavens are from the earth, are my thoughts from your thoughts, my ways from your ways. And under the Old Covenant, it's a a condemnation. Let the wicked forsake their ways. Let the unrighteous forsake their thoughts, right? But what's a condemnation under the Old Covenant becomes an invitation in the New Covenant, which is you can actually think differently because you're righteous, you have righteous thoughts because you're not wicked your ways actually Mm -hmm. produce change around you so the concept of it came when i was reading that one day saying wow god actually thinks higher and differently and because of jesus i'm invited to think what he thinks and when i think what he thinks my ways change and the atmosphere around me changes so if we want heaven to come to earth it's got to come to our head first
0: yes yes You know, I was reading a study recently about our thought life, and on average, we have between twelve and seventy thousand thoughts per day. I'm probably on the seventy thousand end, Uh and that over eighty percent of those are negative thoughts and reoccurring from the day before.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Isn't it so interesting? You sound
1: like a geek like me. (laughs) I
0: love research because who's the source of? I read about
1: twelve books on thinking in the brain when I wrote this, and things like that like we're hardwired for negativity yes. right so we have to be intentional about it so the bible says that we should cast away vain imaginations mm-hmm. but it also says take captive every yes. thought i actually think that's an invitation or positive like we have to capture thoughts that sometimes we would miss yes so one of the studies i came across was that 50 percent of the hours you're awake you daydream If you're like me, it's probably more like 75%, right? I'm somewhere else, (laughs) different times, right? She knows, are you there with me? Yeah, I'm looking at you. No, you're not looking at me, right? So I think in those moments that we're daydreaming, Mm -hmm. we're actually destiny dreaming. We're actually like Hmm. having thoughts from God that we don't know we're having. In fact, scientifically, your brain is communicating in a different way, at a different level. Mm. Probably in her story, she became aware of something because... She was able to take in mm-hmm. this information around her. And I think all of us, if we are more aware mm-hmm. of God's thoughts, we would have more of them because we would capture them. Yes. So that's, that's really what thinking like heaven means. It means heaven is always thinking and talking to us. It's more yes. about our awareness than something that we have to spiritually yes. at, get outside of ourselves for. Yes. We actually have to realize it's in us. Yes. He's with us all the time. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this. So can you share a story with us, perhaps of someone who has tapped into their God-given ability to think like heaven?
1: Oh, that's funny. Well, I mean, I will give you the story in the book. There was a guy who was in church. Yeah, his job was he worked for 3M Corporation, which was, did a lot of things, right, in mm-hmm. the world. But he was just daydreaming while the pastor was preaching and he invented post-it notes. Wow. So the guy who invented Post-it notes did it in a moment where he was in a spiritual environment wow. and his mind got set on something else. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth, but things of heaven, right? So I think that actually practically means that there are moments when we can capture a thought that's so creative that if we didn't capture it at that moment, we might not ever have that thought again. Yes. So I love that story because I think it becomes mm-hmm. sort of a metaphor for. All of us, because if I can make you aware that moments like this are available, when it happens for you, you'll realize it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And we have these kind of, kind of conversations together where we're just talking, we're riffing, we call it, we're just riff, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like all of a sudden, boom, an explosion happens, like that's a God thought. Mm-hmm. So I think it's awareness. And then when that awareness happens, you actually enter into it and you grab it. It's accessible for you. Yes. Um, So I think they're happening every day for us. Mm -hmm. We just have to become more aware of it.
0: Yes. So can you imagine if we get to heaven and there's just post-it notes (laughs) everywhere?
3: (laughs) He's like, like, yeah, that was my idea. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly
1: Bruce Almighty. (laughs) It's already been done.
3: (laughs) Yeah. That's such a cool story. I love that.
0: And I guess for you, Erica, here you were faced with this issue. But then did you feel like you had God ideas and God thoughts, heaven's way to think about this for you to start what you've started?
2: Absolutely. So, my journey starting Unlikely Heroes was that I felt like God asked me, Will you make homes for these children? Mm-hmm. And so that was really different because it wasn't like I grew up like I'm so passionate about stopping human trafficking. Like when right. I started Unlikely Heroes, people weren't even really using those words. Yes. And I met a little girl in an emergency department who was being sold for sex. She was 11 years old. She couldn't read and write, she was mentally delayed. And there were no protections in the environment for her. Mm -hmm. And I went to go find a home for her to find a bed so she could be safe. So she Mm -hmm. would not be exploited that night Mm -hmm. by someone who was going to exploit her innocence for money. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find a place for her to go. And so I just felt troubled. When I had to go back and tell her mom, I said, sorry, there's nothing I can do to help her. I felt troubled. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I'm going to open seven homes. I'm going to recover 400 kids. I just felt how can this be happening to this one girl? Yes, And that feeling that I had about her lasted for about two years. Like I would, I remember actually, like I would be speaking at Jesus culture events and I love conferences and I would walk off the stage and I'd hand the mic to someone and I'd remember all the people. And I think someone brought every single person into this conference, yes. a youth pastor, a teacher, mm. a parent, a child, like another student, but who's going to help her? She's an inner city girl in the middle of mm-hmm. Oakland. And so I think for me, there was the need that drove me. And then when God said, will you do this? I felt a partnering with heaven and I felt a favor on the assignment. Yes. So as soon as I said, yes, God, I will. Then the way I approached it was, I, I mean, continually, all, all through all 12 years would say, God, this is everything I can do with my 10 fingers and 10 toes. So at the beginning it was, I can get the 501c3. I can get the website make, I can get the checkbook. And I would take that all. And I, one time I put it in the center room and I had a bunch of leaders and people who love me pray over it. See, this is what I can do with my 10 fingers and my 10 toes. Everything else from this moment on has to be God. Mm. So God, now I need you to Mm. show up. And I feel like That's one of the most important key places Mm -hmm. for me when I talk about thinking like heaven, because I'm bringing something, I'm bringing my loaves and my fishes as crazy as they may be. These are my loaves (laughs) and fishes in 2023. It's Mm -hmm. a website and a logo, you know, but at this (laughs) point I'm also saying, God, I need you to show up now. So my faith isn't saying, God, if you don't show up, I'm not going to believe in you. Yeah. My faith is actually saying, God, I did everything I can. If you come, let's go. I'm ready. But also, I want to keep seeing God show up and meet yes. me with every step. Yes. And then I'll continue to know that I'm walking with Him as I build things yes. in the natural. Yes. It's so beautiful what you've both
0: shared because thinking like heaven is for one man a solution, and innovation. Mm-hmm. For you, it was a solution to a problem that presented itself to you. These are all ways to mm-hmm. think like heaven. So as prophetic people, which are those who are going to be watching and listening to this, how can we start to develop this kind of thinking within our prophetic communities or even within our own lives?
1: Well, that's an excellent question. And I think what I, what I hear when I hear Erica's story as well is that thinking has to lead to doing, yes. right? And I, and I think sometimes in the prophetic community, we get so addicted to what's next that we ever, actually never get there. Yes. So John the Baptist did it. Mm-hmm. He said, there's going to be a revival coming. And here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then he gets put in prison and he sends people back to Jesus and say, are you the one that's to come? Wow. Or is someone? He prophesied a revival that he didn't recognize when it showed up. Wow. Because we're always addicted to the future rather than like creating that's it. Good. So I think what we can do as prophetic communities, and I think every community should be prophetic, so I I don't want to limit that just to the people who who geek out about this stuff like we do, right? (laughs) That that we need to create the future, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: not just talk about it, Mm -hmm. and not just complain about the past, but actually create the future. Mm -hmm. So, like I have a saying in my online community, we're prophetic builders. Mm -hmm. We're not just talkers, we're builders. We got to move from dreaming to doing, and I think that's what I hear in her story. Yes. Someone who is not just dreaming, but did something with yes. it. And then you watch what God does yes. with that. And we all can, ha, would have examples of that. But I think that's an now word. Is it's, mm-hmm. it's time to start being builders of the future. Because if we don't build it, someone else will. Yes. And all we'll do is complain about what it looks like.
0: <laughs> oh, that is wonderful. Oh, you are preaching. <laughs> and, you know, we talk about here that we cannot behave outside of what we believe and so I love that we're talking about thinking like heaven and then putting that to action. So perhaps if we're very practical for a moment, how can we grow in our ability to think like heaven?
1: Well, and I am practical, so I'm super glad you asked for practicality because that's, that's the way I, I think. I think first of all is being aware of the thoughts we're having. Yes. So as you said, we're hardwired toward negativity. So when I start to take inventory of what's coming out of my mouth and i realize oh i'm actually creating a negative future by what's coming out of my mouth right, right? so so inventories for so I take inventory i become aware so it, that just creates awareness mm-hmm. and once i start to have awareness now i can start to become intentional so i create inventory of what i'm saying i re, I, be, I i'm aware of what's negative what's positive what agrees with him and what doesn't what agrees with god's word over my life what doesn't mm-hmm. and what's life what's death because mm-hmm. the power of life and death's mm-hmm. in the tongue right Take inventory, and then I intentionally decide that I am going to come into agreement with what God says. And out of that intentionality, now I begin to access a possibility of the future that wasn't there before. Yes. Because if I think it, and then I begin to talk about it, it will happen. This isn't just mumbo-jumbo. This is how God created the world. Yes. Yes. He, had, he thought things, He saw them, and then He spoke mm-hmm. them. And then He created us man and woman in his image and likeness and said, I'm going to bring you dirt and dust. You're going to look at it. Tell me what you think it can be mm-hmm. and what they said it became. Mm-hmm. Like how much more plain can it be? It's right there in the first chapters mm-hmm. of the Bible that we're created mm-hmm. to see what God sees and say what God says mm-hmm. and help to see a future that he intends to have happen in our lives. Yes. What, what better job could we have?
0: Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? You yeah. know, even moments when you're facing something in life, to go, hang on a second, I have the mind of Christ. And immediately you're coming up with Christ Jesus and you're thinking about things in a whole new way. It is, it gets me fired up. It should, shouldn't it? It I have should. I hope you're all having a praise you
1: party get, right now. They're probably getting up. all kinds of ideas right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're this. I
2: think I would say to that too, like when a, you've got a four-year-old, they're going to talk to you about what they want to eat. They're going to talk to you about going swimming. Mm-hmm. They're going to talk to you that they're cold. You know, these are real problems to that four-year-old and those are real problems to his mom, right? Like this is real conversation. And I feel like it's important that we know that God always wants to hear the conversations of the four-year-old. Just like the mom and the dad want to hear, are you cold? Are you hot? What do you want to eat? You know, Mm. are you tired? You know? And I think it's important for us to take an inventory of what are we talking to God about? Mm -hmm. Because it's good to have conversations with God and that we know that we can approach God like that four-year-old with what what we're going to eat, what we're doing. God, is there a different way that I could restructure some really practical things Mm -hmm. in my life? But as we grow, we also want to make sure that the questions that we're asking God and the ways that we're interacting with Him reflect the fact that we've become adults yes. mm. and so when we get bigger problems we get an invitation to have a closer relationship with god as an adult mm. who then can have him help to solve our problems in real ways that we say oh, i've grown with god i had to take this really big problem to god you know I, an example you know bob and i were going through something a couple months ago and Bob came home and, you know, we we were definitely feeling like it's a season of warfare and there was a lot going on. And Bob said, I think that we're supposed to take this psalm that was specific to the season that we were in and we need to start declaring it. And so we started declaring it every single day and we found the psalm that was right for us and in that season. And we began to see so many things change that were specific to that psalm. But I think that that's a way where we can even practically, even if you don't know, God, how do I get an answer to this problem? Ask him for a psalm, ask him for a scripture and then pray it every day and then watch your world change. And then as you get there, the way that you interact with God, the questions that you'll have, he'll give you other solutions so that you can start to see your world grow, develop and change.
0: Yes. So good, because scripture is heaven's thoughts. It's on a super page. practical
1: and it's super safe, yeah. Yes. So that we well, there are also psalms that you know if you got mad at somebody, you could say those too, but we'll <laughs> let them figure that out.
0: <laughs> so let's lean into the prophetic for a moment. Could you maybe identify for us one truth that has been a real game changer for you when it comes to prophecy?
1: Yeah, I, I would like to, and it's it's one that I it's a game changer for me because it's not something I learned from someone else, even though someone else may have said it. You know how it is, sometimes yeah. we we get an idea, and we think we're the first one who ever thought yeah. it, and then we realize it was written 50 years ago in a book that we didn't <laughs> read. But I, prophecy is more about seeing than saying. And so if we don't see correctly, we're not going to say the right thing from the right spirit, right? So the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So So my perspective of what Jesus is doing is important, but again, we'll go back to creation. Mm -hmm. The process of creation was prophetic. God saw the light and God called the light day. And there was evening and morning, the first day. So the first thing he created was day. Mm -hmm. And it happened as he saw the light and then he gave it purpose Mm -hmm. through his words. And it became something. Mm -hmm. And that's the same process that happened with Adam and Eve in in Genesis 2 with the the animals, right? So for me, that was completely transformative because I always thought, oh, prophecy just comes because I have the mind of Christ. But actually, it's not. It's because I have his heart and his perspective to see in dirt and dust a living being that has purpose. Yes. And if I can see each person that way, classic Second Corinthians five, Paul: No longer do I view anyone from a worldly mm-hmm. point of view. Yes. And we know, that even though once we regarded Christ in this way, mm-hmm. but so now I look at everyone that I see mm-hmm. through a different lens, and when I do, it allows me to treat them the way they're created to be, not as they are in front of me.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's how I view the prophetic. And there's a prayer I always pray. I prayed it this morning. I pray it, I try to before every, me- every message, help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to love them the way you love them and help me to say what you want to say. That's beautiful. Because if I can love them, have God's heart, see them, have God's perspective, even if I don't get the words perfect, I'm not going to do any harm. Yes. And I think that for me has been a game changer for me. Yes. In the way that I perceive the prophetic.
0: Yes. And that will be a game changer for people who are listening and watching today. What about some lies that you've had to address or allow the Lord to work within you that have affected how you operate as a healing and prophetic minister?
1: Oh, I think it's more. <laughs> I was going to throw it to you <laughs> because I don't want to. Like, oh, you're going to make me like get self-exploratory now. Um, well. I, honestly, I think for me, growing up as a Christian, I was, a, you know, in church when I was a week old. Mm-hmm. I think one of the greatest lies
3: mm-hmm.
1: I had to deal with was performance yes. issues—that God loved me more the better I did—and yeah. um, and I can't say that that was because of the theology I believed. It was just a, it was just caught mm-hmm. in my atmosphere, mm-hmm. right? So. And that obviously transfers to other people. Then you can then look at other people that way. So it's a lie that I probably still have to deal with, mm-hmm. that God. I can live from a place of pleasure, yes. that God's pleased with me, not toward it. And that's a constant battle mm-hmm. um, that I because I want to be significant. We all have these needs, belonging, significance, right? We have that. But I don't live from a deficit of that. I try to live from the surplus that I do belong in mm-hmm. Him. And I am significant to Him. And He is pleased with me. Yes. But that's a constant renewing of the mind.
3: Me too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> welcome to the club. Yes.
1: So good.
0: What about for you, Erica, who's, you know, out working, walking boldly, following the Lord, whether it's speaking or doing what you're doing. Have there been any lies you've had to overcome to be able to walk out what you think the Lord's been saying to you?
2: Yeah, so I'd say that personally, because I think sometimes that really helps when we bring it down personally, I had a father who didn't always show up for me or Mm -hmm. often didn't often show up for me. And so one of the things that is so healing for me is when I see God show up for me in an area where my earthly father didn't. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big part of my prayer life is, you know, even this morning I was praying out loud about something where Mm -hmm. I was saying, God, I love for you, not I need you or you're not real. I feel like that's where it gets into, you know, like we're trying to almost manipulate God without even knowing it. But God, I'd love for you to show up in this area and really take care of this and handle this for me, because you know that this is a part of my heart that I really want to be able to believe yeah. you in even greater good. ways mm-hmm. for. Um, I think it was a little bit different with Unlikely Heroes because I felt like God asked me to do it. And so whenever I got stuck in something, and this is true for all of our walks with God, but... Whenever I got stuck in a place like, you know, I mean, when I was in Nigeria after 276 girls were kidnapped and it was extremely dangerous and I had six armed security guards with me everywhere and I was doing press against Abu Bakr Shakao, the Boko Haram, like that was dangerous. I felt like that the prayer was God show up so tangibly that I can see you. And will you show me my role in this situation today? And so I felt like there were so many places that I couldn't get out of unless God was there. And that can be this really scary place, whatever that is, like whatever that is in your life. Maybe you can't pay your rent money. Maybe, you know, you're trying to get into a university. I can't move forward unless God, I see you show up. And I feel like that's such a great place for us to engage our faith. Mm -hmm. So God, I need for you to show me where you're at in my life right now and how you want to show up Mm -hmm. and show me where that place is because then I can align my faith to yours Mm -hmm. because I know one thing. I know you're getting these girls out of here and I know you're getting me out of here. Mm -hmm. So show me how I get there. Like show me that road and I'm willing to walk on it. And I feel like when we start engaging God in that way, we bring him down into our worlds and into our lives Mm -hmm. and we make that space. But then I feel like this is really important when God shows up for you, thank Him. Like, thank Him, go crazy with thanking Mm -hmm. Him. When you're like, (laughs) God did that, Thank Him, do your praise dance, yeah. whatever that looks like, because I feel like God loves to show up for people who notice. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. when you notice, it's like creating like a, a remembrance rock in your own life. Like yes. God did that and He got me out of that and He did that yep. and He made sure I lived here. And so when we have preaching those, now, yeah, we have, <laughs>
3: it's like my
2: faith is so alive because He's showed up for me so many times. Of course, He's going to make a way for me again. Yeah,
1: yes. that's beautiful.
2: It is Woo! beautiful. and I, I
1: want to dance now.
2: Well, we're <laughs> going to
0: keep good. going because this leads to what I wanted to ask you Uh-oh, next. Wonderful. Because we love to testify what the Lord is doing. Mm. And He is moving so beautifully across the earth right now. Mm. And you guys are blessing the body of Christ yeah. all across the earth. Yeah. Have you got a testimony that you could share with us of what you're seeing God do?
1: Oh, the greatest thing that I'm seeing right now. And look we've seen great miracles and we have stories and you can read the books and you know we put our highlights out there. Yeah. But honestly, I the the thing that I'm seeing right now that I think is so beautiful, but it's also a little bit heartbreaking because of what people have been through. God's really bringing people hope.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I think mm-hmm. there's been such a loss of hope mm-hmm. over these last several years. Things that we expected mm-hmm. to happen didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Things we didn't think would ever happen. Did happen. Mm-hmm. There's an erosion of trust in every organ, like every leadership mm-hmm. capacity. Right? We've lost trust in government. We've lost trust in healthcare. We've lost trust in the church yes. because our sense of normalcy has been disrupted.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And the one thing that we can be sure has not been disrupted is that we have a good, good God. Yes. And so I see people just rebuilding their hope and it's not just from this you know place of denial or faith that's not based in reality it's actually a faith that's based in the mud it's faith that's based in the in the yes. dirt in the grit of mm-hmm. life that i have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his mm-hmm. seed out begging for bread and so I love that God is restoring hope to people Mm -hmm. and that hope is what's going to create the future we've never seen before because Mm -hmm. hope that is seen is not hope at all, right? (laughs) So the kinds of things that I want to see people is a hope restored that creates solutions to problems in the world that has never been created before. Organizations that solve problems that seemed insurmountable. Obviously, the church, the ecclesia, come to its fullness to the beautiful bride she can become. But the realization that the bride is not just a Sunday morning gathering. Mm-hmm. It's the the mom playing with her kids in the park mm-hmm. and loving her neighbor. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the dad going to the gym and talking to the guy in the treadmill next to him that had a hard day. Mm-hmm. It's it's the it's the ecclesia out there yes. living their everyday life. That's what I wanna give the next 20 years of my life to to seeing the church. And for me, that's the greatest hope that's been restored to me is that we're actually gonna see church the way it's supposed to be in our day. Not just a repackaging Mm -hmm. and a remarketing of a strategy, but actually the bride, this beautiful bride that Jesus died for that came out of his side, stand up Mm. and be his representative on the earth.
0: Mm, I love the way you've grounded that. Can we talk for a moment as you do travel around the body of Christ, both of you, what do you, what are you seeing? What do you think the Lord is saying to his church in these days?
2: Yeah, I would say that I think because of COVID, because of the pandemic in all honesty and sometimes we do have to be honest Mm. and we have to just take inventory. Yes most of the structures we were used to, most of the routines we were used to, most of the ways we were used to interacting with the world and our personal worlds and even corporately in churches are gone. And that is something that sometimes you have to take that deep breath and say, okay, a lot of what I worked for, we worked for, we built is, is not there anymore. And I think there's that, okay, sometimes you actually have to to feel that because mm-hmm. when you feel that and you mm-hmm. can take that deep breath I think it gets you ready to build again. Yes. And in all honesty, no one wants to live in a city when it's burning down. Hmm. No one wants to be there during the destruction. Everyone's houses were destroyed. You know, the city burnt down, but we're on the other side of that. And Mm -hmm. so now I feel like it's this really incredible moment of saying, okay, God, Mm -hmm. it's almost a blank slate. Mm -hmm. You've got this blank slate. What do you want to build now? How do we build it? What do we create? And what do we create for the next generations that are going to come? How do we start building these bridges so that people come and can encounter you? Mm -hmm. And how do we build bridges that are going to work effectively for the next generation and those to come? Because you built... you knocked it all down for a reason. Mm-hmm. Everything that could be shaken was shaken. Mm-hmm. Great. What an opportunity. Yeah. We now have an opportunity to build something beautiful, something where we get to take everything we learned in this next season and then apply it and say, God, make it even bigger and make it even better in the way you want it to look so that it's prepared and ready as your bride to accept all of those people that you're ready to accept into your kingdom. And so I feel like every, Mm -hmm. after every great destruction, Mm -hmm. there is a massive opportunity. And so if we look at this next season Mm -hmm. and we're able to say, okay, that really hurt. I have to take a really deep breath that that got lost. I have to Mm -hmm. really forgive Mm -hmm. myself and forgive God and just be really okay with the fact that everything got shattered Mm -hmm. but what do we get to build now Mm -hmm. i feel like if we can go to there it can become a place of faith of hope of growth and and just to this place of saying Mm -hmm. we're ready to see something even more incredible god Mm -hmm. what is that we're Mm -hmm. ready for the next
3: Mm -hmm.
0: oh beautiful both of your love for the lord is so beautiful pastor bob our final question before we talk about your books and then pray okay for the person watching listening today yeah. One practical thing they could do today in their life to think like heaven?
1: Well, the first thing we can do is pause because we're so busy. We live in a world with so much chatter and clutter verbally, right? Social media, regular media, just the noise that's around us. So there's a lot of noise as you even quoted from that, the things that you've been reading, 80% mm-hmm. of our thoughts, right? So pause, like take a moment and pause and as you pause in that moment, in that Selah, mm-hmm. recognize what God is, is saying to you. And if He's not, and this goes to our, our before we we're on camera, the conversation is, if you don't know what God is saying, then start asking Him a question. Great. ahead. I was saying my, and in the online mentoring community that I, that I run for, for business people, entrepreneurs, people that just want to create the future God intends for them, I say, Curiosity is the precursor to revelation, which means if you don't feel like God talking to you, it's probably because you're not asking mm-hmm. a question. And Jesus was a master at getting his disciples to ask questions, you know, the whole deal, the revelation, the greatest revelation you can have, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. That didn't come out of, on a blank canvas, that came because Jesus started painting. Mm-hmm. He asked, who do people say that I yes, am? Good. And they said, well, some people say you're John the Baptist, some people say you're Jeremiah. He didn't say, eh, wrong, wrong, wrong. He just said, oh, well, who do you think I am? Who do mm-hmm. you say that I am? He got their natural curiosity flowing in. And, and eventually, mm-hmm. Peter got it. Yes. You're the Christ. You're the mm-hmm. son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to yes. you. But my father in heaven, yeah. re- heaven revealed that to you. Good. But not until you started to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And I think... That is one thing I would just tell people to do. Just pause yes, and get silent mm-hmm. and get curious. And don't ask a question that you would be afraid to ask God. <laughs> Who are you? You're the Christ, you're the son of the living God that never occurred to me. That's because you never took a moment to stop and ask yourself,
3: mm-hmm. who's
1: this guy that walks on the water?
3: Mm-hmm. Who's
1: this guy that raises the dead?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But when they stopped, it's obvious. He's not normal.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think if we just stop and we start to ask questions that we've never asked before, we're going to get ideas we've never had before because heaven is pregnant with ideas.
0: Oh, yes. This is brilliant. Okay. (laughs) I hope you're all taking that with you today. So we do want to talk about your books because these are absolute gifts Uh to the body of Christ. So this one, Think Like Heaven, which is some of the questions we've talked about today. Tell us a bit about this one.
1: So, you know, I wrote this for people who, aren't initiated to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Bill Johnson, who's a friend of this house, but he wrote in here, you could give this to someone on an airplane, you know, someone that doesn't mm-hmm. know God. And, and I tried to use language that could translate to people that are business people or educators or just house moms and house husbands, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's, I call it a practical mystical book. I'm a mystic. I walk with my head in the clouds, but I'm a practical mystic. I walk with my feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the people who are going to create the future. People mm-hmm. that can think like heaven, but walk on the earth still, right? Absolutely. So that's right. what yeah. that's about. Um, the first book, the roar is—it's mm-hmm. is, the roar is just—it's um, the Hebrew word for the sound of God, God's sound. So it comes in Hebrews or Genesis three, the sound of the Lord in the cool of the day. That's the roar. Yes. And and this was written a while ago, but God's sound in a raging world. We have this world of clutter around us. So if you can hear God, the sound of heaven cut through the chatter and the clutter of the earth, then you're going to first of all discover who He says you are. Mm-hmm. You're going to come out from those fig leaves. You're going to come out from all that stuff. But you're also going to discover this great world that God has given you the ability to co-create with him in. So that's my book on how God speaks, on the prophetic. But again, I use language that can be translated to a young person. Actually, I wrote this so that a 15-year-old could read it and Hmm. say, oh, I can hear God speak. That's who I wrote it for, was the next generation of voices that God is raising up. Hmm. So this could be helpful for a small group. It could be helpful for... Mm-hmm. a youth group. But I wanted to make God's voice accessible to everyone mm-hmm. and to kind of lower the bar for the gift of prophecy. Brilliant. That's what that did.
0: So good. So I know that you're actually both working on books at the moment. So if people want to stay up to date with all your new resources and what's happening in your ministry, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, initially, you can go to just org. It will have all of our resources and it'll also give you a link to stay tuned for some coming attractions that we have
0: coming Amazing. real soon. So, yeah. Well, you guys are such a gift to us. And I would be so honored. We would be so honored if you could pray for those who are listening, watching today, and also for our nation, because we're in a significant yeah. season as a nation right
2: now.
1: Yeah. Babe, yeah. Would you pray?
0: Yeah.
2: The first thing that I felt that the Lord is showing about Australia is that you're in a season of rebirth. And I saw almost like a baby was in the womb that was being fed really, really good nutrients. And I feel like that there's a lot of things that are being done, that there's a lot of Christians being called to infrastructure and into the rebuilding. And I feel like that there's a favor for places and Christians that are in schools, in medicine, In different areas of business and even like science and technology fields, because there's an infrastructure that God wants to lay. And I feel like the Lord's not even saying relay. He wants to lay a new infrastructure in Australia to put people into places where they would become bridge carriers. And I saw people going in with construction hats. And I feel like that there's going to be a favor on people, especially who are working in the area of um, like architecture and strategic development. And I don't know if there's any like trains that are being built. Built in, but I feel like there's some really serious infrastructure things that God is going to use in Australia to actually show what he wants to do in this nation in future seasons and I feel like right now that this is a coming together time and I feel like that there's going to be some really significant international events that say yes to Australia being home and I feel like that the Lord is going to use these events like I I feel like it's even different than the Olympics but almost like world fairs and different things coming in because it's going to increase tourism and it's going to increase um, business and even I feel like Australia is going to become known as a healthcare destination and a like business uh, conference destination that people are going to co- going to come here um, for not just tourism but actually for business growth and that's going to really bring a lot of economic growth growth into this nation.
1: Brilliant. There's a lot to unpack there and there's a lot of reality there um, and we're going to be here for this conference um, this week and there's some things that we felt the Lord's already been speaking to us, we're going to share. But one of the things that she was focusing on, actually, there's there's two of them, but th- the key for the next generation uh, is in education, and it's also the current battleground for the culture. Mm-hmm. And so I really feel like um, this is probably, particularly for this church and this movement, uh, as well as for this nation, but I feel like there are educational alternatives that will be created Mm. that will help to shift the culture of the next generation Mm. and set them into a place where they won't have the mindsets that have been created from the culture that's here now. The second thing was in the area of medicine, particularly the area of natural kind of medicine, I feel like Australia is going to become a destination place for medical tourism, mm-hmm. um, for natural medical tourism, and even as healthcare becomes uh, inaccessible and difficult in other areas um, of the world, that that Australia and this might be because we're particularly in Melbourne. That gonna be, you know, Melbourne uh, gonna, that's going to be Melbourne. It's going that's going to be part of it. But I feel like medical tourism is something that is a place that God wants to create something new. Now, why is this important for us to say this about a nation? Because if there's an opportunity, then the church has an opportunity to step in there. Yeah. So if I'm listening to this, I would say, if I have a child that's preparing for a career, I'd be like, you should go into maybe education mm-hmm. or health care, yes. particularly mental health care, yes. because that's an issue, right? And that's a platform for ministry, but it's also a place for the church mm-hmm. to enter into for this next season. Now, the second thing that I wanted to say, and then I'd like to pray because I think this applies to everybody that's listening, is God's doing something in the, we'll call it the church, because the church isn't just um, what Jesus died for. It's also organizational structure that we're familiar with, right? So there's a familiarity of what the church was in Australia. And I, and I felt like this is going to be a year where God does a new thing. And whenever the Bible talks about a new thing, it's actually a renewed thing, a restored thing, a rebuilt thing. So this is God doing something new all out of the old. He's not discarding the old. He's actually, this is a renewed thing. This is a rebuilt thing. This yes, is a restored yes. thing. And so I believe that God is going to bring a renewal of the church uh, in Australia. And, and because of some of the hits, that the church has taken even in the public eye that's eroded trust in the church and a lot of finger pointing that's happened from the culture to the church. I feel like the Lord is using that as a time, a season where he's saying, yeah, I've disciplined my church because I disciplined all of my children, but it's so they move to a maturity. So I see a, a renewed mature church rising up in Australia that is actually gonna not just talk about what was wrong in the past, but actually rebuild, restore, renew the church. That's what the church is going to do. Mm-hmm. Would you please yeah, so Father, I thank you right now for every person who's gone through a season of loss. God, would you do a renewed thing in them, a rebuilt thing, a restored thing? I, I think of Isaiah where he said, um, see, I'm doing a new thing. Sing to the Lord a new song. Mm-hmm. So God, I ask that you give everyone a new mm-hmm. song to sing that will actually release the new thing in their life. Sing, O barren woman who never bore a child. Sing a new song and see the new thing in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. We are so deeply honored that you are here with us.
1: Super fun, thanks for having us. us. And
0: your time today, (laughs) you're such a gift. Australia loves you. Yeah, Yeah, we're we're awake right now. We might be
1: tired later, so good timing.
0: Thank you again for your time and God bless. Thanks everyone. Thanks guys.